0: Welcome to the Holes of Your Mark podcast show. And today I'm talking to an old friend of mine called Robert Wrighty. Hi, Robert. How are you today?
1: Hi, Mark. Fantastic. And hello, everyone, to all my paranormal brothers and sisters here in the United States and in the Netherlands and in France and, of course, Great Britain, Australia, Germany, all over the place. Good evening or a good late afternoon from Peoria. At this very moment, uh, We are going to be having a severe um, snowstorm in several hours, and we will be getting lots and lots of snow. Last weekend we received 14 inches of snow here in Peoria, and um, about 7 o'clock tonight uh, the snow is going to begin, and it's not going to let up until tomorrow night, about 11 o'clock Saturday night, and we're going to get lots and lots of snow. This time, the winds are going to be very, very fierce. It's going to be blizzard conditions. A lot of things will be closed tomorrow because the roads will be so treacherous uh, for everyone to get out. But at this very
0: moment, as they say, it is the calm before the storm. Now, last time, you told me about you um, have done some exorcisms in your time as you're um, practising the faith that you're in. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Mark? Yep. Mark? Yeah.
1: Per- the pending storm?
0: Hello? Yep, I can still hear you.
1: Okay, because all the once you cut out, hear you.
0: That could be the storm your end. But I can hear you clearly, just carry on talking. Okay. Yes. Um I am a psychic medium and my first experience is
1: when I was four years old. And it's just gotten stronger and stronger over the years. I am sixty four years old last November. I also have a master's degree in forensic psychology, as well as in clinical social work from the University of Florida. And for many years, I was a criminal profiler. And having the experience in psychology and um, and the knowledge, it works very, very well, being a psychic medium, very, very well. Tonight, what I'm going to be speaking about is the exorcism of kevin i will explain to you how i met kevin and what proceeded after that this happened a year and a half ago mark during the night i received a call i looked at the number had no idea who this person was and i answered the phone and it was a gentleman named kevin 32 years old he said he needed my help And I said, How did you hear of me? And he said that he was, excuse me, that he was in St. Louis, Missouri, and he was talking with some uh, people that he met about paranormal things. And somebody gave him my telephone number that they received while I was doing another podcast and radio interview. Kevin called me and he said, I don't know who you are, but I need your help. And being a psychic medium, having two angels that assist me, that are with me 24-7, I began to feel very uneasy. The left side of me started to tingle, and that is my body reacting to the evil one. And Kevin started to tell me what was going on with him, that he wasn't feeling good emotionally and spiritually, that he had been experiencing so many things inside of his home. Now, Kevin lives three and a half hours from Peoria at a little town called Colchester. It's out in the country, as we say here in the state. And Kevin started to cry. And I said, Kevin, what is wrong? Tell me what's going on. I had a good sense what was going on, but I wanted him to tell me what was going on with him. And he said, Robert, I can't explain it. He said, my dog isn't acting right, and I just don't feel good. I've been experiencing seeing different things and hearing voices. And being a psychologist, the first thing that I also thought was maybe he was having some emotional breakdown, a mental disorder, okay? Yet the, the, the left side of me began to tingle, and so that I knew it wasn't that he was having a psychological meltdown. It was just a fact that the evil one was oppressing him. To the point of possibly possession as Kevin and I began to talk Kevin like I said began to cry but then also he began to cackle most horrifying laugh demonic laugh very very deep very very guttural and all at once I heard this thing the demon that was inside of him come out and say, Robert, you have no power over me, and if you don't leave Kevin alone, I know where you live, and I will come to visit you, and you will know the real power in which I have. Immediately, I began to say the prayer to St. Michael the Archangel to protect Kevin as well as protecting myself. And the demon inside of him began to laugh even more. And I just remember so distinctly that the the demon inside of him again said, Robert, you have no power over me. Your God is nothing. Again, I started to say the prayer to St. Michael the Archangel. After I said the prayer, I started to say Kevin's name so I could bring him back. I did not want to lose contact with Kevin. Okay, I wanted Kevin to know that I was there or there for him. okay? So I kept saying, Kevin, Kevin, this is Robert, I am here to help you. And then Kevin started to talk to me, and it was in Kevin's voice. Kevin again began to cry. And all at once I heard in the background um, things being uh, things breaking. And I asked Kevin, I said, Kevin, what's going on? And he said, right now there are things that are flying off the shelf. There are things moving on my table and I don't know what's going on. I said, Kevin, just take some deep breaths and ask. And ask your guardian angel and ask Saint Michael the Archangel to assist you, to help you, to protect you. And so Kevin began to say, Saint Michael, help me. I must tell everyone that every call that I received I began, I began a journal with them. I began, I write down everything that has transpired, the telephone number, their name, the time of the call, what was going on, my, my perspective of what was going on also, and also the time when the, uh, also the time when the when our conversation ended. Kevin then became silent didn't say anything and all, all at once Kevin began to scream, Robert, Robert, I see blood everywhere. I said, Kevin, I said, what? I said, what you are seeing isn't reality. The blood isn't there. The demon is fooling you. And he said, Robert, I can still see the blood. I said, Kevin, the blood isn't coming from you, is it? And he looked at his body And he's saying, no, Robert, no, the blood isn't coming from me, but the blood is everywhere. And I said, try to ignore it, but you have to realize that we are human. And when you, and then all of once you see this blood and visually see it, okay, um, you really, really, a person really, really gets scared. And I can appreciate that. And I understand that. Again, I ask Kevin to ignore it completely said, Robert, how can I ignore it when, when there's blood all over? And I said, and then I began to say, say the prayer to St. Michael the Archangel. Kevin then relaxed and then the blood was gone. And again, Kevin said, I don't know what's going on. What happened? What, help me. And so I asked Kevin again to take some deep breaths and to relax. I said, Kevin, I realize that you're fearful. I know that you're scared. You're by yourself in that, um, by yourself in your home. You have your dog with you. Your dog is acting strangely. And I said, just relax, I'm here to help you. I'm here on the spiritual journey to help you. And he goes, Robert, I've never never really been a spiritual person, but I need help. And I said, Kevin, I said, I believe that God puts us where we need to be at any given time. And I said, it was all God's providence that brought us together for me to assist you. And then all of a sudden, Mark, all of a sudden, the most horrifying voice came out of Kevin. And again, I said the prayer to St. Michael the Archangel to protect Kevin as well as protecting myself. And again, the demon said, Robert, you have no power over me. Your God does not have any power over me. I own Kevin's soul. Again, I said the prayer to St. Michael the Archangel. I kept saying Kevin's name and kept saying Kevin's name. Kevin then did answer me. It wasn't the demon's voice, but it was Kevin's voice. And being a psychic medium, I knew that it was Kevin. Okay very moment. Jesus said was, what is your name, demon? What is your name? And the demon went silent. Eventually, the demon said his name. I'm not going to say the name that's in the New Testament because it's a calling card. Okay? The demon that was inside of heaven actually said his name within a half an hour after we spoke. Now, I can mention, Mark, I can mention the demon's name, but again, it's a calling card. And I don't know if you want me to say it or not. It's one of the nastiest, mean, cruel, um, dangerous demons um, that, that,
0: that plagues the Earth. Do you want me to say the demon's name? I think we might leave that alone, just in case you might want to pay me a visit, so... (laughs) <laughs> I th- I think we leave that one, Robert.
1: Okay, that's fine. And in this very moment, I'm asking St. Michael the Archangel to surround Mark and those who are listening. And I ask St. Michael the Archangel to surround me, to guide us and to protect him. And I also ask St. Michael the Archangel to continue to be with Kevin, to guide him and protect him. The demon said his name right away, which surprised me, really, really surprised me. But what this demon said next, Mark, the demon said in this real guttural voice, and it was like booming, it was like echoing, and he said, Robert, I know who you are, I know of your past. with me physically very very important okay Kevin and the phone went dead the phone died my battery was drained within half an hour 45 minutes I plugged my phone charger in I tried to contact Kevin again Kevin and I could not I could not the phone died the evil one was messing with the phone and we know that evil spirits will do that they will mess with the phone. That's where they get some of their energy from, okay? Finally, Kevin called me back and asked me what was going on. Now, Kevin remembers some of what we had talked about and other things he doesn't have a clue. Even to this day, Mark, he doesn't, okay? I, and he, he, again, Kevin asked me to help him. I said, Kevin, you live four hours away. It was like the middle of the night. And I said that I will come to see you at nine o'clock, 10 o'clock the next day, okay? And I told Kevin that I would bring a Monsignor, a Catholic priest here from the diocese of Peoria that is entombed in the paranormal, okay? Every diocese, as far as I know, here in Illinois, at least, that every diocese has a senior priest, a Monsignor, that knows of of the paranormal. And so, if someone is having trouble um, in their homes and those types of things, they can call the, they can call the chancery um, in the diocese of where they're from. Like here, it would be Peoria, and ask for the senior priest or Monsignor that knows a paranormal um, activity, knows knowledge and experience, and they will connect you with that senior priest and monsignor. The monsignor who I know here in Peoria, I have worked with him before. So I told Kevin again that I cannot be there because it was the middle of the night, Mark, and it's not safe. My angels encouraged me, beseeched me, begged me not to go. I wanted to go because I wanted to help Kevin, but it was not going to be safe for me to go by myself. It just wasn't. In the first place, I have no idea where Colchester is. All I know is out in the country as we say here, okay? So again, I told Kevin that yes, I am going to help him. Kevin and I spoke about two hours, and I told Kevin that I would be there the next morning with Amon Senior with the senior priest, and again I said the prayer to Saint Michael the Archangel, and I also said the Lord's Prayer. Now Kevin, Kevin had really never gone to church, he was never baptized, he had, I had, I had felt and sensed that he had played with the Ouija board, and he said yes he did. And during that time, that he and his friends were drunk and they were high. It was a perfect storm. They thought the Ouija board was just a joke. Well, the Ouija board isn't a joke. It's not. It's a portal. They were playing with it. They didn't know how to close it. They just kind of like closed the board up and that was it. So things became attached to Kevin. Things became attached to the other people that he was using the Ouija board with. So I told Kevin that I would continue to pray for him through the night. I am Roman Catholic. My spirituality is based on my Roman Catholicism. And so during the night, I continued to say a rosary for him. Yet the demon, the demon... I felt very, very protected by the love of Jesus, by Saint Michael the Archangel, by my own guardian angel. But the demon appeared to me and laughed the most sinister laugh I've ever heard.
0: Was he scared? to feed for you yeah yeah
1: not Catholic so he didn't know he did, didn't understand the word my senior and so I just would call instead of using the word my senior I called him a senior priest which means that a senior priest has a lot of experience within the church
0: okay yep and um, and I said this and so I said this priest
1: is going to help us it's going to help you so the closer that we got Mark, the stench and that's another thing that Mark, I mean, excuse me, that, that Kevin told us, told me, about the stench that was inside of his room, inside of his home. And I smelled that also. It is the worst sulfur eggs burning that I have ever smelled in my entire life.
0: It so, almost made me
1: physically vomit.
0: So it's very, so Kevin, very, very overpowering Them.
1: To Kevin's home, the more the more that we smelled the stench, um, the car started to act up. The engine light came on, and again that was the evil one trying to keep us away from this young man who needed our help. The evil one will do anything, anything in its power, to keep anyone who's going to help someone in that situation, going to do anything. Flat tires, car just dies, a lot of things, okay? We made it to Kevin's home. We started, end. all this time when we were in the car, the Montenior and I were praying, putting on the armor of God on us, as well as Kevin. We got to Kevin's door, and knocked on the door, Kevin came to the door and gave me a hug immediately. He said, Robert, I did not think that you were going to come because the devil said to me, these are Kevin's words, that the devil told me that they're not going to come because they have no power. I do not have the power. The power is given through God. I am just an instrument. I am the messenger. Okay, all the power of any exorcism comes through God, comes by the grace of God. Okay, so Kevin gave me a hug and gave um, gave Father a hug, um, and then we sat down. And immediately, Kevin immediately Mark and our paranormal brothers and sisters, when we began to talk to Kevin, Kevin's throat physically became became enlarged. We saw that for ourselves. We saw his body change. We saw his affect, which is his facial expression, change. Prior to that, prior to that, when I looked into Kevin's eyes, I saw there was life behind those eyes. Immediately when we began to talk, like I said, his body started to change. And when I looked at his eyes, they were the darkest, the most dead, nothing there at all, nothing. What I saw in his eyes was pure evil. The priest's father had plain tap water as well as holy water. The priest used tap water, spraying it, sprinkling it on heaven, and nothing. Nothing happened nothing. Father got a bottle of holy water and sprinkled it on Kevin, and he began to scream like it was burning him. He was yelling at him, stop, stop, don't do this, stop. And the cackle that came from Kevin's voice, from his voice, from his body, was...
0: That you would have inside of you Yes, I can okay. imagine that yes.
1: Demon, demons just don't attack one physically and emotionally, but also psychologically, emotionally okay And in Kevin's dreams he was telling us prior for him to from him calling me that he would have the most bizarre, strange, weird dream. That he's never had before in his entire life. He said sometimes that he would get up during the night and find himself outside, and had no idea how he got there. And he had never, ended up, and this was validated by his family as well as his girlfriend, that you know that Kevin had never walked, sleep, slept, slept sleepwalk in his life. That he never went out of the house. If he was sleeping, he stayed in bed. So there was no episodes of any sleepwalking prior to this. Okay? So we, beg, so we began to say the rosary. After the rosary, we began to say the litany of the saints, asking the first martyrs, asking the saints to assist Kevin, to protect him, to guide him. Now, during that time when we did that, Father continued to sprinkle holy water on him. And all at once Kevin, this demon inside of him, began to speak in Latin and in Greek. Now Kevin doesn't know Latin and Greek from anything, from Pig Latin. Okay? He has he he doesn't know that language. Not at all. Okay? And what made it even more horrifying, Mark, and our paranormal brothers and sisters who are listening to this, he was answering himself the same time he was asking a question. It is called echolalia. We Hmm. have two sets of vocal cords. One that I'm using now, okay? But there is another set of vocal cords that is dormant, okay? Tibetan monks. Both set a vocal cords at the same time is called echolalia. So when Tibetan monks chant, they will chant, but they will also answer themselves in a chant, almost almost simultaneously. It is it is strange, it is bizarre. When I when I heard because I heard I knew that Tibetan monks did that, but when you see a young man who's 32 years old, his name is Kevin. I did not know him from Adam or even all of once sudden his thin, his his throat became very very thick, became very enlarged, and when he began to experience or began to manifest this echolalia, my body reacted to that. The left side of me, that you know, that reacts to the evil, the hairs were standing up on it. He was talking in Latin history. I know I know some Latin being Latin and Italian and also going to the Catholic schools in the sixties. I know Latin. I know church Latin. Okay? And father know New Latin, of course, and also Greek. And so what the evil one was saying was that God has no power over heaven. No power at all nothing whatsoever and that he that this demon which I won't name he was he was calling out for other demons to come and help him let me tell you during this time mark that the stench inside that home was unbelievable think of the worst sewer um, uh, sewage that you can think of or of a toilet backing up magnify that a million times. Mm. that's what it smelled like in him. It wasn't coming from his dog. His dog was so very, very quiet. Um, and that's something we can talk about in a couple of minutes of what we did with his um, dog. But anyhow, finally, father said that Kevin needed to lay down. So Kevin, so Kevin, um, so I got Kevin up and we laid him on his couch and he fell right to sleep. Now, during this time, also his dog, his favorite buddy, and the dog's name was Buddy, was acting very strangely. Very strangely, he was a big German shepherd. His dog would not be afraid of anything, but the demon had begun to oppress him, or, you know, oppress Buddy, his dog. So what we did was, um, um, Kevin had given us some telephone numbers of certain people, um, his friends. So I called. I called his girlfriend. She wasn't there at the home with him. I called her at her residence. She came and got the dog because I did not want. I did not want the dog to be hurt. Okay. A dog, an animal, is still one of God's precious creatures, and demons will always go out to get animals loved ones, the ones that we love the best, the most, the evil one will attack them. So the girlfriend came over. The girlfriend had talked to Kevin, knew what was going on prior to this, and she came over and got Buddy. And she took Buddy home. She called us within a half an hour and said Buddy was acting totally different. He was happy-go-lucky. His tail was wagging. He was eating. He was drinking. So by the grace of God, by the grace of God, that his best friend, Buddy, um, was doing much, much better. And prior to that, he was very, very listless, very lethargic, wouldn't eat, wouldn't drink, wouldn't go outside. And so the evil one began to even oppress this animal's body. Kevin took a nap for about 45 minutes. Now, Kevin knew when we came in that we had a... Uh, that we had a recorder with us. okay? The recorder was used for evidence that we needed to take to the archdiocese, the Catholic Archdiocese of Chicago, as evidence and to validate what we are what we experienced and what Kevin was going through. Kevin gave permission for and everything had to be very, very legal, okay, to protect Kevin. To protect, my, to protect myself as well as the Catholic Church. So he signed a paper giving us permission to to tape this, to tape his voice, to tape what was going on. Kevin lay down, he went to sleep, half an hour, forty five minutes, he woke back up. And Kevin seemed to be seemed to be different. He was very calm. Um, we prayed Wanted something to eat, so I made him a sandwich. We had coffee. Um, And Kevin, Kevin remembered some of what went on, and and some of it he did not. By the grace of God, Kevin wanted to listen to the tape, but that is not the healthiest thing to do. It's not. And so we didn't. And we explained that to Kevin, and Kevin understood. We were with Kevin for I would say three and a half, four hours, and we told Kevin that we had to leave. And again, uh, Father blessed him, laid his, laid hands on him. I was touching Kevin's shoulder. Father was touching, uh, putting his hand on his head, and we were saying the Our Father. We were saying the um, Hail Mary. We were saying the prayer to Saint Michael the Archangel. And, and Kevin agreed to that. And then after that, there was like the air in the room was just different. It was just different. It was lighter. The stench was gone, but we almost, we always have to be leery of that. Also, because we go by time and by the clock in this dimension, in their dimension the dimension of the evil one there is no time just as like with God and the holy angels time does not exist okay this was a waiting game also Okay, the demon what, what I found out later which is very true the demon wanted to see how long and to see if we would come back and help heaven or it was just a or was this just a band-aid, and that was it, okay? So we left Kevin. I said, Kevin, my phone is on 24-7 like it is, and if you need assistance, you know where I'm at. Call me immediately. So Father and I drove back to Peoria. We talked a lot about what went on, our feelings, and again, Father wrote a journal, and I of course had kept my journal also of how I felt and what went on the times and such like that so father took the tape and he called and when I was at the chancery which is like where he lived okay um, in his office that that he called the archdiocese the Catholic Archdiocese of Chicago talked to one of the priests who does exorcism who is sanctioned by the Vatican to do them, okay? And saying, this is what happened. This is what went on, okay? And immediately the father in, in Chicago said that we needed to bring Kevin up as soon as possible. Um, there is one thing also within the Catholic church. we always, the people who may have an exorcism that they go through psychological as well as physical testing to make sure that it is not a mental illness. Because schizophrenia, as we know, a lot of times it can it can look like someone is possessed. Yes, okay? yes. yes. But, but with my background and my experience in the in the um, in the psychological field, I knew that Kevin was sane because because of Okay. shares move moved.
0: No, i well, sorry. No. Okay, Zach is from Ghost Adventures? Yeah, I've heard that, of that show, yeah. Okay. Anyhow, there was a, there was,
1: um, a demon house, as they called it, in Gary, Indiana, which is a suburb of Chicago. I mean, they're very, very close, but one of them is in the state of Indiana, Gary is, and Chicago, of course, is in Illinois. Well. Father, I can I can say one of the priest names who did the exorcism. His name is Father Michael. Father Michael is the same priest, the same exorcist who did the exorcism on that on the
0: children within this demon house. Okay? Yep. Father
1: Michael has been involved in many, many, many exorcisms. Okay? So what we did next was that Kevin needed to rest. So for 24 hours, someone was with Kevin and his girlfriend at all times. They stayed in a monastery that I can't say where the monastery is located. I cannot say the name of it because of confidentiality, okay? Um, but I can say that the medical center that Kevin was at was Viola Medical Center in Maywood, Illinois, okay? Now, because of confidentiality, of me being a therapist, a licensed therapist. Kevin has given me permission to tell his story so others can know how powerful the evil one can be. Okay? And so, and so Kevin needed to rest. The next day we all went to mass, all went to church. Again, Kevin is not Roman Catholic and it doesn't matter. Gita's girlfriend joined us for Mass because we had to be spiritual ready. All of us did. And being Roman Catholic, we went to confession first, received the Holy Eucharist and the precious blood. We had the armor of God on us. Kevin received a special blessing from the Cardinal prior to this exorcism. When Kevin, when when the Cardinal put his hand on Kevin, Kevin's whole body began to shake. His his body began to change. And the howls that came out of Kevin was like an animal. It was like a jackal. It was like a hyena. It was like a wolf. Just imagine those sounds, Mark. Mm-hmm. Chapel. We went to a private chapel. The cardinal had left. His girlfriend was, and Kevin's girlfriend was still with us. I am not, because of confidentiality, I am not allowed to say her name. Okay? And so we all went into the chapel. And again, inside of the chapel was myself, Father Michael, another exorcist. He was a priest. There was a priest that is a psychiatrist, another priest who is a psychologist, and another priest who is an an MD, a doctor, okay? During that time, these papers were written up, giving, giving the church permission to perform this exorcism. Kevin had to agree legally as well as emotionally and spiritually and physically agree to this exorcism he had to if he did not agree to this exorcism then we could have never done it and at any point father michael was talking to kevin and said at any point that you want us to quit this exorcism because you want the devil to live inside of you that is your business and we will stop immediately and Kevin began to cry. I want this thing out of me. Help me. Kevin also signed legal forms that if he needed to be restrained, and then we had permission to do that. If he needed IV fluids, he gave us permission to do that. Again, there were doctors in the room. Okay, and again, the medical center was just was just two doors away from us, basically. Okay? The exorcism began. We began to say the rosary. We began to pray the litany of the saints. Holy water was used on Kevin. Kevin was laying down on a bed. Things in the small chapel began to move. Statues began to move. The windows began to shake. Now, Mark, just imagine, just imagine if you can, and my paranormal brothers and sisters, that you're in a room, there's no earthquake going on, and all at once you are you are seeing things move in front of you and there is no physical reason why they should be moving. Okay? It's not windy in there, nothing like that, okay? And just imagine of our humanists. The human the human experiencing that. Is it scary? Of course it is. It's horrifying because you don't know what to expect next, right? But as we know that the more that we give into our emotion gives the evil one even more energy and more power. one point during the exorcism Kevin became very agitated became became very aggressive so they had to restrain him with soft ties. His arms were were tied with soft ties were tied to the bed as well as his legs to protect himself and to protect us. His girlfriend was right in the room also. Kevin at times Sleep, but it was a different type of sleep. It was very, it was very, it was very, um, it was very irritable sleep. And during that time, Kevin would scream out of what the evil one was telling him in his head to do. And let me tell you, Mark, and to our brothers and sisters who are listening to this, when. Calling out for help, and when the evil one manifests itself through the eyes of Kevin, it is the most horrifying. Because when you look into these dark eyes, that's all you see is dead, dead. That's all, dark and dead. You also see evil. You you sense the evil mark. In this small chapel, Kevin is restrained in this bed. Things are moving around. The stench was incredible. You could, the tension in that room was unbelievable. You could feel it, you could almost taste it. Your body is reacting to that because of the sheer evil that is there. This exorcism lasted over 36 hours. Wow. It was on and off. If they took breaks. Kevin needed to take a break also. Okay? There is so much that a body, a human body can go through. Okay? Again, Kevin was given IVs because he did vomit a lot. He also, um, a lot of bodily fluids. Okay? He wet himself. He defecated himself. He was cleaned up, okay. Kevin at one point said he was thirsty. They gave him some. They gave him some nourishment. It was insure like, you know, insure. Um, it has a lot of protein in it. It has a lot of calcium and vitamins and such like that, okay. Um, and so during certain times, that um, uh, that Kevin would ask that he was hungry or told us that he was hungry. That he was giving nourishment. Um, and Kevin remembers some of this, Mark, and some of it he doesn't, thank God. Now, during the exorcism, this exorcism was videotaped because, and, and, and Kevin agreed to that. All this was very legal. Kevin agreed to have it videotaped. This videotape now is being used to teach young seminarians all over the world about exorcism. Just not this tape, but there are a lot of other tapes, okay? I have seen the tape once. Kevin has never wanted to see the tape, and I encouraged him never to see it, never. Because, again, he remembers some parts of it, and some parts he doesn't. During the height of the exorcism, continued prayers, continued Singing of songs, religious songs, asking God, imploring God for His assistance. There was a bright light, most incredible bright light. This light was not from the evil one. This light was from God. It wasn't coming from the windows, Mark. Not at all. It was. It was inside. It was inside this little chapel. And again, this light was not caused by sunlight. It was caused by the grace and love of God. This light moved over Kevin. And Kevin's body began to shake and quiver, and he started to scream. He started to howl. He started to cackle. He used the most profane language that I'm not going to use. But just imagine, okay? Just imagine the worst words in the world. And that's what Kevin was saying. Well, that's, that's what the demon was saying. Like, he would say, like, screw God, but not use that word. And those types of things, okay? But this light lasted. This beautiful, warm, glowing light lasted for about an hour. And it covered Kevin. And right before it left, it covered us. And let me tell you, Mark, and my paranormal brothers and sisters, that this light re-energized all of us. It was the spirit of God enter in, entering into us to revitalize, to revitalize ourselves. Kevin does not remember that at all. And again, there is a tape that I mean, this tape is like 40, 40 plus hours. Okay. This tape was running even when the exorcism was not actually taking place during the break times and such. That there was also there was always a camera running. There were several cameras cameras running because at some because at times that the evil one would drain the battery of one of the of one of the cameras. So there was extra cameras there to keep rolling. Okay. There were other things that happened inside of that room are that were not pretty. That were not, and, and I could go into the gore. And a lot of people want to hear about the gore. And there was, when blood appears on somebody's body for no physical reason, and the boar, and the blood is just pouring out of Kevin. Kevin had, did not make a mark on his arm. We did not touch uh, Kevin at all. The evil one was pouring his blood, pouring Kevin's blood out of him. So he would become physically and more physically and physically tired and drained. But again, this blood evaporated, evaporated in front of our eyes. And again, that was the evil one trying to scare the crap out of us. it could be
0: Yeah, the I am yeah. wanted to be saved. Okay? And
1: again, Mark, there were so many more things that happened into that room. You know, when rosaries break, and all of which the evil ones started to attack me, I started to attack his girlfriend. His girlfriend was asked to leave after a period of time. And so she left, and she went with a group of Catholic nuns into another room. But when the evil one starts to attack the priest, the exorcist starts to uh, to attack myself, uh, physic, not physically, but, but verbally, attack us, trying to get everyone, everyone to stop saying the prayer, then to focus on what he was, what the evil one was saying to us, instead of keeping and continuing to pray. And when you hear the evil one, Mark. And my brothers and sisters, when you hear things that nobody else knows, except for you, you know what you're dealing with. Then it is incredible. Evil lives every day, and I kept telling, Ma- I kept telling Kevin that love always prevails over hate. Love always does times and I hello Mark
0: yep I'm still there
1: ok and I kept telling I kept telling um, Kevin that miracles happen every day in our lives and that we have to put down the telephone put down the computer and look Look at all the miracles around him.
2: Kevin is a changed person, to this changed person this
1: very day. Kevin and I talk to each other several times a month. I see I want to see how he's doing. Kevin Kevin isn't Catholic and that's fine, but he goes to a good Bible church, okay? Kevin also realizes That he can be possessed again at any given time if he doesn't keep the armor, the spiritual armor of God in him. And that's true of anyone ever been possessed and then went through an exorcism. You have to
0: be vigilant. Always be vigilant. That's a very powerful tale, my friend. How about the dog? You tell him to tell me about the dog.
1: fantastic. Buddy went to a friend's house, and Buddy is fine. The dog is back with him. This, you know, this this situation that with Kevin it happened a year and a half ago. Okay, and uh, the dog is fine. Kevin's life is totally different, Mark. To see the man that I did, or hear the man on the phone that I did a year and a half ago, uh, calling out for help. And seeing seeing what 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 Kevin is today is incredible. You know, we have a loving father. We have a father that forgives us. All we have to do is ask for God know. That's all. But Kevin is Kevin is a changed man. He is no more drugs, no more booze, goes to work every day. He and his girlfriend are going to get married very, very soon, and praise God for that. But Kevin has changed his life around completely. Now, again, Kevin remembers some things and other things he does not, okay? But Kevin's dog, Buddy, is doing fantastic, wonderfully. When I go see them, it's it's wintertime here, so I don't go down there now, but I will go in the spring and see him. Then I know when the last time I saw him was in the fall, in October. And his whole, his whole home is, is just, it's just,
0: it just, you can just feel the difference. You can just feel the difference. Well, I'm glad Kevin is and a lot better. I'm I, I, sorry. I'm glad Kevin is a lot better and I can understand how much you and the others helped him. This has a, been a very powerful tale, my friend.
1: It was something that I know Kevin had just talked to me last month about that he would like to go on air with me. and I had suggested that maybe that all three of us can be on air so he can tell of his of the things that he
0: remembers. I think that would be a very good idea because coming from him as well, I know how much of a difficult journey that would be for him. People, I think people would relate to it a lot. They're going to relate to this as well, but they relate more to the person. And um, then people who may be experiencing something similar, because there are people out there that may be, um, they can then seek help. Told him and I will never tell him no okay. I think I think that's a good idea I think that's that's a good thing no because emotionally he's just
1: not ready and maybe he will never be ready and that is fine okay okay but maybe sometime this year coming mark that all three of us can be on air okay again Kevin has to agree with it and I think and I think and Kevin and I have talked that I think it would be very therapeutic for him to talk about it. Okay, um, but on the other hand, he has to be spiritual, spiritually and emotionally ready to.
0: Yeah, I understand. Okay. I mean, if he, as I say, I I will offer that to you and Kevin. Um, I'm I'll be very privileged if he would be on my show, because I've I. I can relate to this because I've talked to you, this is the second time I've talked to you, and you've gone into more detail this time, and I feel very connected to this case now.
1: And this, and Kevin is just a regular Joe, as we say here in the States, okay? A regular guy, okay? This possession can happen to anyone. It can happen to anyone, Okay? Kevin, Kevin used a Ouija board, and I know a lot of our psychic medium, their psychics and medium brothers and sisters will say, well, no, the you know, uh, you know, the Ouija board is okay and such like that. And if they can use it appropriately and safely, God bless them. But for me, I had nothing to do with them, nothing whatsoever, okay. And I know Kevin wants to tell his story to you and to listeners, so they, so they will not get into that trap, in which he did, because he felt trapped. Granted, he had used the Ouija board years, 15 years prior to this, okay? But that thing, the evil one, was still attached to him, and when Kevin was down on his down at his worst, physically, emotionally, spiritually, that's when the evil one took over. But Kevin is a different man this day. My goodness gracious. Kevin has gained weight. He has a wonderful job. Like I said, he's gonna get married soon. he goes go to a good Bible church. He has changed his life completely by the grace of God. Kevin keeps saying, Robert, I owe you so much, and I said, you don't owe me anything. I am just the instrument of God. I am just the messenger of God that God puts us where we need to be at any given time to help our brothers and sisters in need. And I said, I said, thank God every day of your life. And he goes, Robert, I do. And Kevin is a changed man.
0: Well, but I normally like to do an unique sign of I'm not going to do this this time because I think, because of what I've listened to and the power of the story, I think we should end this with a prayer. Yes, Mark, say... Okay, go ahead, Mark, say a prayer for us, would you please? Uh, our Father that art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in heaven and earth be thy name please protect those who need your help lord especially people like kevin who by the grace of god is a lot better person for your help thank you amen thank you.
1: spirit and thank you so very much Mark for allowing me to be on air with you this night thank you so much my friend and God bless you and like I said I will get back in touch with Kevin and I I told Kevin I said well because he wanted to know about you and I said he's a good guy he's a very spiritual guy loving guy he's not going to judge anyone he wants to hear your story because by hearing your i said kevin by hearing your story in your own words that is so powerful
0: and that um and that he too can become an instrument of god a messenger to help those who may be in the same situation i well, thank you robert for this very powerful story and i will put on the thing the what well, roughly what it's about on the podcast so people understand how powerful this is going to be when you listen to it.